I'm Jill Rowe, and in this episode of The Different Podcast, Steve Chalk and I talk about pivotal moments and pivotal people. We reflect on those relationships and people who have shaped us and even altered the trajectory of our lives. We talk about tributes at funerals and the legacy we can create. And we discuss how interdependence is vital for all of us to flourish, rooted in glorious diversity and not sameness. And we explore how we can walk alongside others intentionally, knowing that as we do this, we are changed and transformed too. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Steve, we're back again. We are. The next episode of Different. It's really good to see you, by the way. And you, Jill. And it's going to be different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've got a few notes in front of me, and I call this Significant Others, which is intriguing, isn't it? Um, I've just uh, led a leadership residential. So I was away last week and we give the people who come on that program a piece of homework. Yeah. yeah. So they have to write basically a life sketch, a historical sketch of their life up to that point. And then we invite them to look back over it and identify pivotal moments and pivotal people. And it's always a really interesting exercise for them and can be quite taxing. And mm. But for some others, it can be quite life-bringing as well. Yeah, so, I guess. Yeah, because yeah. you see things you've never, yeah. you've never thought of. Yeah, you stop and recognise them. Yeah. yeah. And the people piece is really interesting. Pivotal people. Like when you look back, you go, oh, there's those people and that person and that person and that person. And you suddenly realise that your life story is littered with people who've influenced you and shaped you and mentored you and helped you and supported you. So for you, Steve. <laughs> I was going to say for you. Who are some of those people? Well, I've got some people. You run the course. I do run the course. Um, I've got some people I'll mention. But as you, I mean, you know, you're a little bit older than me. So there's a little bit more to look back over. But if you were reflecting over your life, can you identify, you know, two people maybe who've had a big impact on you? Yeah, well, the, the first is my mum. <laughs> yeah, now, I'd say my mum instead of my dad. My dad was great, you know, so... But my mum was extraordinary, totally extraordinary. I still say, I probably said to you in the before, that my mum was the most energetic, hard-working, never-giving-up person that mm. I've ever met in my life. And I'm not saying that because she was my mum. Do you know other people you say? I mean, she's just extraordinary. She was, my mum and dad were so poor, she had absolutely nothing uh, at all, and she just never, she was relentless. Her resilience and her ability to keep going was just phenomenal. And uh, That's where you got it from. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. But honestly, she, she was something else, my mother, and um, she died a few years ago. Uh, but as a child, I just... They used to sit in awe of her ability not to give up. We we lived in real poverty, 
and she married my father, who was a dark-skinned Indian. She was a very light-skinned white English woman who went bright red in the sun rather than anything else. And members of her family rejected or, or, or distanced themselves from her because of her marriage choice. And my dad found it hard to get work because of his colour at the time. So they had nothing, nothing. My mum never had a bank account, you know, except really? that we never went on, on a holiday ever except days out, never went away, never went to a restaurant, never, none of those things. She, she, she couldn't afford to get on the bus, you know. She, she, had, like, she was amazing. That's one of the people that's influenced my life. And anyone else? I remember you've talked, you've yeah. talked before about people who you thought were really old, but when you were young, oh, yeah, yeah. You, well, you've talked about people who were really old, but actually they weren't. They were yeah, just like, in but, their 20s. you know, or but, P, I know you studied at theological yeah, college. Yeah, well, and yeah I, went to, I went to theology college and, um, and I went there because I decided, I started going to a church youth group and it was run by these really old people. But they were very nice. They were very nice. Bunch of, they're all men, actually, no women. But there's a bunch of old guys, you know, knocking on retirement. I suppose that's why they ran the youth group. And uh, on Friday nights it was. And um, But they were great. You know, they taught me to, one of them taught me to play the guitar and all sorts mm. of stuff. It was fantastic. And then when I one night decided that when I grew up, I wanted to start what has become Oasis, though I didn't know it was that at the time, just start a school etc etc I went back to um this youth group and um and I talked to these really old guys and they gave me good advice and they were the ones who said oh if you want to do all this you better study theology <laughs> well I hadn't got a clue what theology was because I went to the I failed the 11 plus I went to the kind of school where they didn't teach you theology mm. or biology for that matter. No yeah, ologies no, at your no school. No ologies. I mean, they were all like, what are those to me? They said theology is the thing to do if you want to start a school and a house. So I kind of trusted them and all the rest of it uh, because they were very old. But over time, I realised they weren't old at all. Mm. It's just that I was 14. And when you're 14, anybody who's older than 20 looks like they're kicking up the daisies, don't they? And all they, they were actually all theology students. They were yeah. 21, 22 and 23. And that's why <laughs> they knew nothing about life either. They, they were just, recruiting <laughs> you. Exactly. Steve. I mean, you know, the answer to every question I could have ever asked them was study theology because that's all they knew how to do. Or here's a new guitar chord. But but actually, they had this amazing impact on my life, and one of them particularly, who you know I owe his his name Steve Flashman. I owe so much to him, just like an anchor. And there've been several people that mm. like that in my life. There's one other person I want to ask you about, mm. um, Tony Campolo. Uh, Tony Campolo. He's he's been a big influence on you, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a Tony. For anybody who doesn't know him, Dr. Tony Campolo, he's, um, you know, probably the greatest communicator standing on a stage that I've ever got to know, hmm. Do you know. I mean, he's just unbelievable and American. He's, he, he's studied under Albert Einstein. Amazing. Yeah. So he's like a mega brain. Um, and um, I... I, I kind of listened to him and then when Oasis was just starting out I was given this opportunity to go and speak at an event in Africa this huge event um, in Harare hmm. in Zimbabwe and Tony 
was the other speaker. I like, why have they chosen me to speak? This great guy, do you know? So he did this amazing talk. There were about 10,000 people at this conference. And he did this amazing talk on the first night, like, and then I was speaking the next night. And it's honestly true. I went and found him, because I was in awe of him anyway. And, and, and I sat down with him, and I had a drink with him, you know, in a coffee or something in the morning. I said, I said Dr. Campolo, because I had to call him that, you know, Dr. Campolo, I said, I think you should speak again tonight because I'm due to speak and I'm rubbish and you're great. And honestly, it's not just that I'm rubbish, it's that all my motives are wrong. I, I just want to be a, a really good speaker, and I know I'm not, but I just am here to, do, you know, but you, I, I, I am not the person who should be doing this, you are. So I'd like you to go to see the organisers, I said, and ask if you can do it instead of me, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll support that, I really will support that. And uh, he said to me, he said to me, I will not do that. You have to speak. And because you've come to say all that to me, I know you're the person who should speak. And I did speak, and we became friends. I mean, this is like 35, 40 years ago. And uh, he's been my friend all the way through the years, and I've learned so much from him. And uh, he's now lives in a, a nursing home. Mm. He's in his late 80s. And um, just a few months ago, I um, just got on a plane, and I went and I live with Tony in his nursing home for four days, five days. Mm. I just stayed there with him. I've, I um, call him often. I haven't spoken to him for a few weeks, actually, but I talk to him all the time. I owe him so much. Special friend, huh? Good guy. Yeah, really well, well, good guy. and for you as well. We're all, you know, we are in some ways what's been put into us. Oh, absolutely. Haven't we? So yeah. it must be true of you as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I... You know, I was I was thinking about this question that I was going to ask you, and I was I was like, how do you narrow it down? Because you know that there are so many. I feel privileged as I look back over my historical sketch. Just how many people there are when you think about it, and I thought about uh, there was Rob and Daphne who were my youth workers. Mm. Who <laughs> it's that you know it was just this. Uh, little youth group in a village church, you know. But they were the ones who took the time every Friday and at another point in the week. Fridays, you Fridays, youth club fr day. Friday night is youth <laughs> club night, and it was it was it was so fun and so good. But they also were the f they were the first people to join the dots for me around if the Jesus story is a justice story. And it's about the transformation of the world. And they did it in the most, you know, just unexpected ways. So I think without them, mm. you know, I don't, I think the trajectory might have been different. And then mm. there was another couple who I got to meet last summer again at Greenbelt, which was amazing. Uh, Wendy and Nicholas, who, uh, you know, I babysat for their kids and cleaned their house. And they did pay me, obviously, <laughs> uh, did their ironing. But really what happened was they took took yeah. this interest in yeah. who I was as a, a teenager mm. and as a young person and were investing in me. And it was just brilliant seeing them last mm. summer. And it's like this, oh, yes, you did all of, of this. And there's just so, so many people. There's you and Corny, Steve, you mm. know, 
there's your kids. There's, mm. do you know, like there's this, just this massive patchwork of people. We are community people. We are community we? people. Yeah. There's a, some friends of mine, Mel and Hamish, who, you know, literally just welcome you into the yeah. family. And But what's interesting when, when I look, and, you know, Ruth and Mark Durnley, and like there's all these people I can name and there's, you know, many others. Mm. But what I realise with every single one of them, mm. genuinely, is there what they were doing was saying come and do life in this relationship you know this isn't like some weird setup of you know we're the mentors and mm. you're it was just uh, you know mm. same with you like we're just we're doing life with you yeah which is just a yeah. beautiful yeah. thing isn't it yeah and they say don't they that this thing i learned you can tell you can judge the character of a person by what they're willing to invest in someone that they want nothing from. Exactly. They can't gain anything from. Because, yeah. you know, people suck up to people that they think they can get something from. But that's, I know yeah. some of those people, that's that story, isn't it? And that's certainly the story of the people I talked about. Tony Campolo, what could I give to him? Nothing. And yet he invested and has invested his life in me for 40 years for no gain whatsoever to yeah. him. That's an extraordinary thing, isn't it? Uh, we see for so many people that actually they struggle to find mm. trusted adults and trusted <laughs> others, don't they? We, yeah. You know, lots of young people, it's yeah. just the thing that would make the difference in their lives is yeah. to have yeah. adults yeah. S- step in and the, invite them into I their life. I think the other thing is you can, uh, you can be influenced usually as well by someone you don't know, yeah. don't you? So um, I was telling a friend of mine this story last night, actually, and, and, um, and uh, I haven't told this to anyone for a long time. But years and years ago now, our oldest daughter worked in Thailand um, when she was, you know, I don't know, 19, 20, 21, 22. And um, she worked in Bangkok in the, the red light district, or one of the red light districts there. So there's this huge trade in women, traffic women, etc. And she lived there for six years and worked amongst uh, these young women, older women who just abandoned. It was fantastic work she did. And I went out to see her, and she took me to the red light district one night. Uh, we went there, and, and we sat in this bar, and it's a terrible thing. You know, you see all these girls, younger and older, and they wear numbers, they mm. literally wear a number, one or 32 or whatever it is. And then men will come in, and they'll buy a drink and they'll order a girl, like, I'll have number 23. This is <laughs> terrible. And um, Emily took me there, my daughter, and um, and then was chatting with people because she knew them, and I'm sitting there and thinking, oh, what do I do? <laughs> like, and uh, this woman came up to me and sat next to me with a big number on her, I can't remember what it was, and we began talking, and she spoke English, a bit broken, but she, she spoke some English. And I said, hello, my name's Steve, what's yours? You know, um, and she told me her name. And anyway, we finally got into this conversation, and I thought the longer the conversation lasted, the better it was, because it was rescuing her from mm. being abused by someone. Anyway, she was in her 40s, early 40s, 
she told me this story. I asked her how long she'd worked in this bar, and she, she'd worked in that one and some others since she was 16, 17. Mm. But she'd not been trafficked. Here's the thing. She said, nobody made me come here. I came from my village. Now, I'd been into some of the villages in Thailand because I'd been to Thailand quite and a, a few times and seen the poverty there. And she said, I came here because I make money for my masters, my pimps, mm. but I get some money and I send it home to my family. And that is a way of caring for my family. And I've done that every year since I was 17. And she said to me, with a smile on her face, an extraordinary thing, she said, and next year will be my last year and I'll go home. And I said, how do you know? Why is that? She said, because my niece, my sister's girl, I have paid for her to go to university and she studied law. Wow. And next year is her final year. And when she becomes a lawyer, I don't have to stay here anymore and I will go home because she will, through her profession as a lawyer, earn the money hmm. to keep our family. And I thought to myself, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, this woman is a prostitute. And yet I realised she was one of the most moral people mm. that I'd ever met in my life. And the sheer laying down of everything you have and the giving up of everything for others mm. and an extraordinary example. Yeah. It's, to use a big word, quite Christological. <laughs> it kind of turns everything on its head, yeah. doesn't it? Here is this woman, and I walked out that bar that night, I talked to Emily about it, I'm like totally in awe of this person who was more than me and was ready to give everything hmm. for others. She hadn't even seen them for 20 years. Hmm. That was the extraordinary thing. And it's, That made a big impact on me, yeah, as you yeah, tell. Yeah. yeah, no, I can. And I, there's definitely something, isn't there, about... We need others to do life well, don't mm. we? We every human needs other humans. We mm. need one another to thrive and to flourish. If I'm going to accompany other people in their lives, mm. I have to sacrifice yeah. something. Yeah. Don't I? I have to choose not to just want to do my thing. Yeah, yeah. I the often whole say, time. I often say to myself and say to others. There's only one thing harder than belonging to community because people say, oh, you know, I don't want to turn up. I don't want to give myself. I, I've got better things to do. Why should I be here? And I always say, there's only one thing harder than belonging to community. And as I say, I say to myself, and it's not belonging to community because mm. it is a big thing to give yourself to others and mm. to their needs. But the point is, unless you do then when you need it, it's not there for you, you know. So it is tough to, you know, I find it tough to get up and go out when it's cold or dark and get involved in someone else's uh, priorities. But it builds such community. At the risk of telling too many stories, you know, at, at Oasis Church in, in Waterloo, um, some years ago there's a, a, a young boy who went to our school 
you know, mm. uh, our primary school. And he was at, um, he was set a, 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 a project about the Second World War. And then there was an old, a, a wonderful man in our church who lived through the Second World War mm. in the Blitz in London. And they were like, you know, like 70 years apart in their age. And I introduced them to one another. And um, so my older friend spent like lots of time helping this young, young boy with his, war, his Second World War project, Blitz project, which turned out to be the best in the of class. Of course it did. <laughs> <laughs> All that kind of stuff. And he, what was wonderful to me was they struck up this friendship that went on for years and then, um, then the old man died and I took his funeral. But this will live with me forever. This young boy came, this is a few years on, came to his funeral. And when you take a funeral, the funeral service was in the church building and then they put the um, coffin in the hearse. Mm. And then I, as the the minister of this thing, I rode up front with the driver, Mm. you see. And as we pulled away, I looked at the curb and there was this boy who some years ago... I'd introduce to this old man, and he stood on the the curb, crying. Hmm. And I thought that was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen, because the strength of the bonds be across the generations, Absolutely. and they were from different different parts of the world, you know, different cultures, hmm. different in every way, and yet both of them had been enriched hmm. by the other. And I thought. For so many people, that never happens because they don't belong in community. And community isn't about sameness. It's about diversity and difference. Absolutely. We tend to, you know, gravitate, don't we, towards people who are the same as us rather than seeking out that difference. What do we need to do to to keep expanding the circle, as it were, rather than this reduction that we have of, well, I'm in my tribe and that's another tribe over yeah, there and... Yeah. You know, well, I you know I always say to people, and this isn't an advert for Christianity or church or anything like that. But people say say to me sometimes, you know, I, I you know I'd like to come to your church, but I don't believe in God. And I always say, <laughs> you're very well. Yeah, I always say I wouldn't let that stand in your way if I were you. Like, <laughs> where do you meet no, some of the people? Well, were. Yeah, because it's wherever you know that that's I, I sometimes get asked to speak in mosques and synagogues yeah. and things. So they're all of those places. They're wonderful because they are diverse. You know, where is uh, mm. whereas some Sometimes you you know you 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 go to you go to a place and you you find you know down this pub everybody's the same age and they sit together because they're the same age the the same gender the same outlook the same politics the same background so and and then people people often say you know I'm sure you hear that well do you know uh, I know a lot of people and everybody's saying this and I realise. Well, that's three people, and they're all the same as you, anyway. It's your own echo chamber. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not a diversity. I've got a friend who's a politician who who taught me this lesson, and she said to me once, she said, "Politicians, everybody comes up to you and says, well, oh, everyone's saying this.'" And I realised, she said one day, that what they mean is just a small group of people all the same. Whereas my job is to know a lot of people who are all different, young and old, and rich and poor, and this ethnicity and that outlook and this. Sexuality and etc. Mm. etc. That's community. 
Yeah, the joy of the diversity. And just you, you suddenly experience, don't you, your world expanding. Like there's, mm. m- there's more, there's, you, you understand more, you discover more, you hear more. It's just, it's the most obvious thing. But so um, Mother Teresa said, didn't she, if we say we have no peace, we've forgotten that we belong to each other. And I think we have to work hard to realise uh, that we belong to each other. But I also think we have to work hard at turning that belief into a, a, a reality in other people's lives. So as, as we look back, Stephen, you talked about you've talked about Tony and you've talked about those students and, you know, the, your mum being the engine room that she was. And I think about all the people in my in my historical sketch. None of that happened by accident. There was intentionality written through every one of those relationships we've described. In that encounter you had with uh, the woman in Bangkok, there's intentionality, isn't there, just running through all of that. And knowing that loads of people crave these kind of um, relationships with people that will help them navigate life, to gain wisdom, to grow in understanding, to, to, to walk alongside them through the most difficult moments. Like that takes intentionality. I remember uh, when my mum was dying of cancer, I remember uh, one of the people who lived uh, near me, he was part of the church I was at. I remember him and his wife just saying to me, we're gonna stand with you in the gap. And it was like, that intentionality, that that deliberate, we're going to do stuff that means we're going to be here for you. What are the choices you're making? Because you, you know, you do this, Steve, in loads of people's lives. What are the choices that you are making, not to be that kind of significant other in a kind of egotistical way? I'm, I know that that's not true for you, but what are the kind of choices and decisions? that you're making to be that for other people? How does it show up? Well, I think, you know, I try. I don't know if I'm any good at it, but I try to um, to look at another person's situation and need. Um, Carl Jung, a great psychologist, he talked about the morning the uh, and the afternoon and the evening of life, and he said that the, the issues that are important in the morning of life, mm. who am I, you know, What's my mark? You know, what's my status? What have I got? What do I have I yeah. got? What do I look like? You know, yeah. what am I going to do? What am I going to achieve? He said those are important questions in the morning of life. You know, but he said that the problem was that he met lots of people in the afternoon of life who were still asking the questions of the morning of life. Mm. In fact, he made an extraordinary claim. He said all the people who were most troubled emotionally and with their mental health in the afternoon and evening of life were people who'd been unable to leave behind the questions of the morning of life. He said they're completely relevant to the morning of life, first half of life, but they're irrelevant to the second half of life. And you need to move on and leave those things behind. And the questions become, what can I give? Hmm. How can I support someone? And that shows up in big ways and little ways. It shows up, you know, like, who can I text today? 
Who could I drop a note to? Who could I just thank for what they've done? Who could I walk over to and say, that was brilliant? Yeah, that's right. You know, who do I um, send a card to? Who do I wander over and it gives them a mind time to how can I build someone how can I say recommend this person to that person Mm. connect these people so it's a kind of there's not one way of doing it it's a kind of mission isn't it well it is a mission and you're constantly working away at it and then you have a little smile to yourself don't you when you when you connect one person to another person and you say, you've got to get to know her. She is brilliant at doing this and he can do that. And then you see their relationship develop and you kind of sit back and you think, wow, that's that's good. good. Yeah. But it's, you've got to get up and do that intentionally. Yeah. That's, that's the point, isn't it? And I, I really agree. You, you have to flip in your head, don't you? It's not like you say, it's not, what can I get? Actually, what can I give? Which is, Really, really important. One of the things I say to myself now is, well, I hope I've said it for a long time, is because I think, you know, even in the things that I do, you know, within Oasis, but in the whole of life, you know, whatever it is, is even in what I'm striving to achieve, I'm thinking, if I can do this and get this far, then the next generation can climb on my shoulders and get further. You know, the further I get, the further they get, you know. So see yourself as we're all passing, aren't we? I was I was walking last night past um, the statue of um, Oscar Wilde, mm. you know, and as I walked past it, I thought, we're all temporary. We're only here for a few years, really, aren't we? So yeah. it's what do I leave? What's the body of work I leave, which might be in someone's life? Speaking of which, Jill, I know that the um, tragedies occurred in your life just just in the last few weeks because your sister, who I knew well yeah. and loved and am grateful for, but she was your sister, your older sister, and she died a couple of weeks back. She yeah. was an extraordinary person. She, she was, and, and again, a massive, a massive impact and player. You know, if you're writing, if I was writing my historical sketch, she's in there for sure. Absolutely. There are so many things uh, that I could say about that. But one of the things that I'd put together, the tribute for her, um, the first first part of her funerals, um, the the cremation, um, because I was asked to, to write it and give it. And I was thinking about how she expressed her love for people in the way that she used her time. And it was often so sacrificial rather than just protecting her time for herself. And I think that's part of what it takes, doesn't it? This To be an influence in anyone else's life, there is a flip, there is a, a choice that you have to make around your time. And I think in my big sister, in Chrissy. I, ju- I just saw that so, so clearly and so, so well. But one of the other things that I think I've come to realise, and, and I know I, I just said about three minutes ago that it's not what you get, it's what you can give. But I've realised for myself that you do get something. You do get something through these, this privilege you have of being in and around other people's lives and being able to help in or support or care in any way you can. And part of it for me I, I've come to see is 
that it pushes me to think about what kind of human I am. <laughs> like it really pushes me to think about, you know, to almost do that inventory of my character. Like if here, if here I am mm. going to be this person in these people's lives, then I need to take se seriously who I am. To work and, on yourself. Yeah, to keep working on myself, which is an incredible gift, isn't it? That when you, when you choose to not engage in other people's lives and to keep that kind of, you know, I, I'm just going to focus on me and all the rest of it, you, you tend not to do that work of, you know, who am I and sorting myself out. But when you are involving yourself in other people's lives, in a caring, helpful, mentoring, whatever kind of a way it is, I've realised it makes me think about who am I and who am I becoming and to seek to keep being the best version of me that I can. So that's quite a thing. It's quite a thing. <laughs>